0: So I invite you to turn in the Bible, if you have one nearby there in the pew, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You'll find it in the pew Bible on page 976. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. Would you please stand? Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus. he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, please send your Holy Spirit upon us this morning as we open to this chapter in the Bible. We pray that you'd give us ears and hearts truly open to your word. Give us grace, Father, that we might read it, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, As I said, there were were 44 kids in VBS plus 9 in nursery. It was a wonderful week. And I am very happy to report to you that I heard a number of reports of uh, kids in the VBS who made significant steps of faith. Uh, One little boy I know of in particular, I'll just give you his initial, it's D. Uh, This little boy came to our BBS, he was a guest. Uh, He's actually visiting this area, he doesn't live here. He came with his uh, godmother who brought him to church. And this little boy was here and listened to the lessons. And everybody, everybody was so sweet to this little boy and he fit right in. He had such a good time. And at the end of the week... Uh, one of his teachers led this little boy in a prayer of faith to Jesus. And uh, I heard other similar stories, but that one really grabbed at my heart because he wasn't here with us. He was a a visitor. God brought him to the door and God heard our prayers and God had mercy on this little boy. And my prayer is that that little boy will never, ever, ever forget what he heard and that he will continue to grow in Jesus Christ all the days of his life. And to think that in God's providence, our little church here in Carrollton, Texas, had a God-given role to play in that little boy coming to Christ. It, It was a blessing to me, and I'm so grateful to Teresa and all the people who worked so hard to make it happen. And that story's in my mind as we look here to Ephesians chapter 2. We're just going to look at the first 10 verses of the second chapter of Paul's letter to this church that he loved very much. A church he had planted. A church that he had seen God at work at. And uh, he, in chapter 1, uh, actually begins to describe the gospel. He does that as he uh, talks to them about the blessings they have in Christ Uh, He thanks God for them and for God's work in them. And he concludes chapter 1 talking about the work of Christ. Look at beginning at verse 19. Uh, He's talking about the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is body which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. All through chapter 1 Paul talks about the work of the Lord Jesus. He he talks about Jesus' death on the cross in chapter 1 verse 7. The redemption we have through Christ's blood. The forgiveness of our sins. He talks about in verse 8 God lavishing upon us in all wisdom and insight uh, the, the mystery of the gospel. Well. Uh, in chapter 2, Paul is continuing on this theme of God's work. He's continuing on this theme of developing the gospel. And for this little boy, D, and for all of us, Paul is going to explore some essential aspects of the gospel. That if we don't get this right, we might misunderstand the nature of the gospel itself. You see, one of the temptations we often experience is that we think salvation has to do primarily with our response to the gospel we think that primarily we're saved by our response to the gospel Uh, lots of people go their whole christian life thinking that that it's a very important decision they made once upon a time and they're so glad they made that decision well paul's going to speak to that very question he's going to actually talk about what is the nature of this gospel and he stresses two points the first of which brothers and sisters we are saved by grace we are saved by grace look at uh, again at chapter 2 verse 1 Uh, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul stresses that all of us come to Christ as sinners, in fact, he, he, he describes it uh, in very, very significant terms. He talks about following the course of the world, the, the world's values. He talks about following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The way Paul's describing it is, we come from darkness into this light. We don't come from twilight. We don't come from wanting to do the right thing. We actually come from darkness. In fact, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1, we were dead. That's how incapable we were of responding to the gospel. We were dead. Paul stresses that we were helpless in our lostness. We were helpless in the darkness in which we lived. You know, a lot of people look down on... Uh, folks in the world who are living worldly lives it's very easy for us to look down on people it's very easy for us to judge people it's very easy for us to say look at all the mistakes they've made well Paul begins this section of the description of the gospel by underscoring the fact that that's our heritage that's where we all come from we all come from darkness we all come from sin we all come from lostness and death None of us has a religious pedigree that gives us special treatment. No, Paul says to everyone there in the church, they were dead in their trespasses and sins. He stresses that that they were completely lost. And in in, in verse 3, he says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. He includes himself himself. All of us carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. By nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You know, the the church should be the group of people least on a high horse. Least judging others. Least looking down at others. Least rejecting others. Why? Because we have all been there. That's our background too. When I hear about some girl and whose boyfriend and she have gotten into trouble and they're having an unexpected baby. It is very easy to look down on them. It is very easy to judge them. But not according to the gospel of Paul. We all have the same background. We've all made the same mistakes. Some of us have endured hardships that others of us have not endured. Some of us have had experiences that others of us have not experienced. But we all have this same basic background of sin and brokenness and death. And Paul actually says the gospel isn't making good people a little better The gospel is making dead people alive. The gospel is God in Christ by the power of the Spirit reaching out to sinners like you and me, bringing us out of our sinfulness to Jesus. So Paul stresses that the gospel is a gospel of grace. We are saved, he says, by grace. He goes on to say more. You see, the gospel ultimately is about us being united with Jesus. It's us, through God's love and mercy and grace, our being given the blessings of Jesus. Jesus, who died on the cross for us, who was raised for us. Now, by God's grace, you and I, sinners that we are, are brought in, as Paul has already said, into the family. Not only are we made disciples, we're actually, he says, made sons and daughters, children of God. We're we're adopted, he says, uh, into the family, adopted into God's own family that is ours in Christ. We are made one with Jesus and in Jesus we now have fellowship with the Father. We're part of God's family. And all of this is by grace. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something we've done. It's not because we're a little bit better than anybody else. Certainly not that we're sinless. The church is is the one place which says on the door, only sinners allowed. Okay, if you come into this room thinking you have no sins, this isn't for you. This church is a gathering of sinners. Who have been saved by God through Christ by grace. And Paul wants to make it crystal clear. He puts it in the most simple language he can. Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is God's gift to us, he says. He has said over and over again, we're saved by grace, we're saved by grace, we're saved by grace, we're saved by grace. And he says finally, just as an exclamation point, to make it as clear as possible, it is God's gift to us. Now, I'm I'm not a brilliant theologian, but I do understand a gift. A gift is not something that I go and buy, it's not something I can earn. It's something given to me. Someone else bought it. Someone else paid for it. Someone else gives it to me. And that's what the gospel is. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And it is Jesus who offers it to us. His gift of grace and mercy. And Paul stresses verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Paul, Paul knew spiritual realities. He knows about the reality of boastfulness. He came from a religious party that kind of made boastfulness a little bit of a specialty. He knew about that. He knew it in his own life. He knew what it was to be a boastful person spiritually boastful he knew what that was like and so he stresses that the gospel's not like that it's not something we can boast about because it's all grace it's God giving us something we haven't earned something we haven't purchased that was purchased at great cost by someone else and that gift is to actually be brought into him into his life, into his relationships, into his relationship with his father. A righteousness, a perfect righteousness that we don't earn, but that we are given. And that little boy, D, who this week prayed a prayer of faith in childlike words, my hope, my expectation, my confidence is that that little boy received this week a gift from God, that God had been preparing a long time in his life, preparing him for this day, preparing him for this moment, a lifetime of loving friends, a godmother who wanted to bring him to a VBS. God brought Dee to a place where he said yes to God's gift in Christ, and he received that gift by the power of the Spirit, And now I believe that little boy will be in heaven. You know, um, Will's got a great series lined up to talk about stewardship and the budget. I don't want to steal any of his excellent thunder. But I will tell you this. Brothers and sisters, you, you can't take a penny with you to heaven. Not a penny. But you know what you can take with you to heaven? People. You can take people with you to heaven by showing them God's love. By sharing the gospel with them. This gospel. This radical gospel of grace. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. To think of these children. Interacting with the gospel. And I pray that the seed sown. There were countless seeds sown. Countless seeds sown. I'm just praying that the seed sown. Will bear much fruit for eternity. And that many of our young people. At some point, in some way, we'll look back and see how God has been at work in their lives over many, many years. And how he has brought them to himself as he brought you and me to himself through Christ. So, brothers and sisters, we are saved by grace. Paul does not stop there. He begins there, but he does not stop there. Because he wants us to know that, yes, we are saved by grace, but we're saved for something. See, one of the reasons we don't boast is because we're, we're not saved as an end in itself, as though that was separate from everything else in our lives. No, the salvation we have received, the justification that you and I have received by grace through faith is for a purpose. And he tells us in verse 10, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every single saved person, every single person who has received this gift of grace from God is now called and empowered by God to give that gift to others, to do the ongoing work of God. We we talk a lot about the mission of the church. Well, the, the mission of the church is the mission of God. We don't take a vote on it. The mission is God's mission entrusted now to us. And Paul is saying to every saved person, every person who has been saved by grace, he says, now you who are God's workmanship, he's done the work, now you go forth in his name and share that same saving gospel with other people. Not to earn anything, Not to get brownie points, not to get extra points, not to get things that we earn, but to show the gratitude we have and the praise that we have for the love of God in Christ. And it's a process, isn't it? It is a process. It's an ongoing process of stops and starts, good days and bad days. It's learning. It's a lifetime of learning learning and relearning, sometimes unlearning, relearning and relearning the gospel of grace, and then seeking in the power of God to do that ministry in the world today. And Paul reassures us, he says, God has prepared all this beforehand. I joked about providence. It's, it's always fascinating to me to just observe providence in action You know, the founding fathers of our country talked a lot about providence. Sometimes people dismiss that and say, you see, it doesn't say God, it says providence. Providence is God's work. Okay, providence is the work of God lining up all the circumstances of life to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And Paul tells the church in Ephesus and through them he tells us that God has prepared beforehand providentially all things to work together for our good so that we might do good. So that we might be faithful witnesses of Jesus. He's hinted at this already back in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 1. He calls us the body of Christ. Paul said to the church in Ephesus, they are the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, here at MetroCrest, we're the body of Christ. We do the work of Jesus. We do God's work, the mission of God, as Christ in the world today. He works through us. So apparently... God providentially wanted to bring this little boy to himself. And so he lined up a whole church of people around that and got a team load of volunteers willing to come in and sing songs and take a whole week off from work to come and sing and have a good time and share with these kids, trusting that God knows what he's doing. Providentially, he had arranged all of that beforehand so that this one little boy and perhaps others would bend his knee to Jesus. And say yes to Jesus. All of that. God had arranged beforehand. He had prepared beforehand. And I want you to have that confidence in ministry here. As we go forward in this season of growth in our church. God has prepared work beforehand for us. He has made a plan. He has a plan. I guess the big question for us is. Will we wholeheartedly embrace that plan? Will we wholeheartedly with thanksgiving and praise seek to do the work he's given us to do? There are a million and one reasons not to. Money's on the list, time. We've had some painful experiences. It's easy to get tired. We can find a million and one reasons not to do it. But Paul wants the church to, to confidently go forward doing the works that He that God has prepared for us and to be Jesus' body here for us in Carrollton, Texas, here in the Metrocrest communities where you live, your home, your work, to be the body of Christ. So we have been saved by faith, saved by grace, and we are saved for this work. The, the salvation that has been given to us includes this idea of now sharing that salvation with other people. That's my prayer for us in this season of growth. You know, one of the things about PCA, we, Paul and Larry Perry and I went off to the General Assembly. And one of the things they said over and over and over again is the PCA is a grassroots church grassroots church grassroots church we're not a top-down church we're not a hierarchical church where there's some power structure that tells everybody what to do that is not the pca that is not Metrocrest. we are a bottom-up church we're a church made up of people in whom the holy spirit is working who are filled with gratitude and praise who are looking for ways they can serve jesus that's the church we want to be. That is the church in this season of growth. I'm just going to close by mentioning a couple of things that are going on in the church. This is not a top-down decision, but Susan Smith, Susan D. Smith, sitting back here with her husband, Paul, had a vision to renew women's ministry at Metrocrest. A lot of women wanted to do that. Susan said, I'll do it. And Susan started a Breathe Women's Bible study. Grassroots. They get together. They study the Bible. A whole group of women meeting at different times through the week. That's, that is Ephesians 2 ministry. Taking the gospel in Jesus' name. Doing the work that God has prepared for us to do. Susan, thank you to all the women who are involved in that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the mission team. Kathleen Barclay, who's unusually not here today. She's in Austin enjoying time with her uh, granddaughter. Uh, Kathleen had a vision with Teresa for a VBS. And it was not a, an anointed decision from on high where we said, you go do this. It was them saying, we want to do this. And they did. Praise God for them willing to do that work. Um, Raquel, expecting Raquel. Uh, and Kristen uh, McAnally started on their own, a group that meets on Monday nights to get physically fit and to learn Spanish as a second language (laughs) so that we can share the gospel with Spanish-speaking neighbors. That was their idea. That was something they had a passion to do. Well, I'm praying, God, there's, there's many, many others. There's just a few I wanted to single out because it's been on my mind this week. But there are many, many, many others. We could go around there. And there are many examples of the Holy Spirit working in your heart and your mind, giving you a passion for something. Let me give you permission. Go with your passion. Go with what you enjoy. You're, you don't need permission. You can do it in Jesus' name. Feel free. Be, feel liberated. Feel empowered. By your church and by your God, you are empowered to do the work of Jesus. Now let's talk about specifics. Let's talk about church facilities and resources, et cetera, et cetera. All kinds of details to work out. But you are free to do whatever you want to do in Christ. Seek counsel. Seek the wisdom of others. We're part of a community. Keep those things in mind. But we are a... Grassroots Church, we trust you. We trust the Lord in you. And we want to support you in your work.